Welcome into Bet the Edge this Tuesday, May 11th. Big show today. Robbie Musto, Chelsea ripe for an upset against Arsenal and a preview of the Euros next month. Kenny Rice, why the Preakness could be a very hard race to handicap. And Von Dalzell, MLB and NBA prop bets, who he likes to have a big night and hit the over, plus edge of the day to finish the show. All that and more coming up on Bet the Edge, powered by Points Bet. Sarah and I appreciate you listening to Bet the Edge. Please rate the pod. And if you're not a daily subscriber, by all means, sign up. Remember, Bet the Edge will give you all of the information you need for your wagers every weekday, all in about 25 minutes. Plus, make sure to hit us up on Twitter and let us know what you think we should talk about. I'm at Sarah Perlman and Drew is at whale underscore capper. Drew Densick, Sarah Perlman with you today. And I mentioned it's a big show, so much to get to, but we always like to start off seeing where we could find an early edge, get some actionable items out there. Drew, I know it's super hard to handicap the NBA at this point of the season. So as you're looking through these games this morning and last night, what are you considering? And in that realm, what kind of games have you have you found some value in this morning? It's a funny card today, Sarah. It <laughs> is there's so many games that are interesting, that have meaning, that a matter for seeding, yet the lines look extremely tight. And it was tough to pick a couple of uh, sides to really get involved with here. But I had to go right back to the well after getting a winner with the Golden State Warriors last night against the Jazz. You sure did. You sure did. Man, they had a comfortable lead. And then Jordan Clarkson time in that fourth quarter was just brutal to see that, you know, it was was like watching a car accident. But uh, the, the Steph Curry shot to ice it was amazing. Warriors get the win come home with the winner for us. And I'm going to go back to the well with them today at plus five against the Suns. Not as good a matchup as they had yesterday against the Jazz. Jazz, of course, were without Conley, without Mitchell, really didn't have a ton of guards that could cover uh, and defend Steph Curry. Whereas the Suns, I'm expecting you're going to get a little bit of better defense here. Uh, I just have to respect my my numbers on these teams. I don't have five points of separation on a neutral court, let alone in, in the uh, Warriors' home arena. Uh, I think fair price here ought to be about three and a half. And I know the Warriors are on back to back i know that getting as impressive a performance as we saw last night on you know a quick turnaround is going to be tough uh i just i think this is a one possession game ultimately and uh you know the suns have not looked great of late they obviously they came through uh with the edge of the day on friday last week smoking the knicks Mm -hmm. um but then it was an absolute no-show on sunday against the lakers i do think that this is going to be a pretty tough contest for them uh we haven't seen the warriors suns play much lately so this is going to be this is going to be a fun one and I'll take the dog. Yeah, to your point, five and a half is where it was. Now five money's coming on the Warriors and your side. The Warriors also drew up one five of their last six. So I, I love that look. Okay, the first thing I'm looking at today is baseball, but I'm talking about a prop and I'm going to see where this prop lands come first pitch. Would not be surprised if we saw it hit double digits. Of course, that Shane Bieber, I'm looking at a strikeout prop sitting at nine and a half versus the Cubs. Uh, The Cubs strike out a lot. Actually, they're in the top five of most strikeouts per game, just around 10 Ks per game. The unders juiced, so therefore you're getting a little bit of value right now on the over. If Bieber can get through or close to seven innings, which I do think he can against this Cubs team because the lineup, a lot of injuries, the over is in play. I think he can go deep in the game. Hayward, Baez, Marinsnik, Ian Happ still on the IL. A lot of questionable players in this lineup for tonight. So keep that in mind as you look to see where this prop lands. But we know 
anything about Shane Bieber, if we do, it's that he's a high strikeout pitcher. He averages almost 14 Ks per nine innings over the last two seasons. So I love him to get double digits against this banged up Cubs team. First time ever facing the Cubs. They're not, they're not going to know what to expect. They've never seen him. And as we know, this guy can rack up some Ks. So I'm taking a look at this prop here, Drew. I'm, I'm with you. That sounds fun to me. I mean, uh, you know, get, getting after it with the Bieber is, uh, is, yes. is fine by my book. All right, give me uh, give me one more thing you're looking at in, in this wild night. Yeah, so we have a Celtics Heat matchup, which is fascinating because they played on Sunday morning. Obviously, mm -hmm. the Celtics have struggled in the early starts of the yeah. season and did not look good against the Heat in that spot. We saw the Celtics close as a minus one-point favorite. Here they open as a two-point dog. That is a market adjustment that I don't think is well supported. Uh, you know, the Heat were the right side on Sunday. A lot of people knew that. Uh, now to flip the favorite here and expect that uh, you know you're going to get as solid a performance out of Miami, uh, I think is a tough ask. The uh, Celtics obviously they lose Jalen Brown for the season, but it's not like this wasn't a known quantity that he wasn't going to be available for this game. So the fact that the market flipped, uh, just expecting that somehow the Celtics are going to quit on their season because Jalen Brown is out. Uh, I'm not buying into that narrative. I think that's nonsense. I think the Celtics give you a full heart perform and uh, potentially get the win. Yeah. And the winner tonight does hold the playoff tiebreaker. He are currently in the six seed Celtics currently in the, uh, in the seventh seed. We're going to get more into NBA later, but we're going to switch gears here, Drew, and we're going to bring in Kenny Rice to talk all about the Preakness, which we were talking a little bit before the show. You could argue this is like a soap opera, Kenny. I don't know what to expect with Medina's spirit and all the drama around Bob Baffert. So I want to phrase my first question to you this way. With the status of Medina's spirit up in the air, if Medina's spirit does run, how does this change the, the outlook of the race? And, and on the other side, what happens if Medina Spirit cannot run in Preakness? Well, Sarah, I think that uh, what it means if he does run, you'll see very much the kind of race you saw in the Derby, a typical Baffert horse that gets out of the gate quick. I and mean, that goes all the way back to Baffert's days when he was a quarter horse trainer. He likes to have his horses out of the gate quick and generally setting the pace in that. Uh, he'll be doing that, and his stablemate concert tour will be out there with him in all likelihood. So as far as the pace scenario, it's very important that Medina Spirit is in this race. If he isn't in this race, it changes it a bit in that I think Midnight Bourbon moves up toward the pace and the aforementioned concert tour is still there as well. But I have a feeling that uh, Medina Spirit is going to be in this race and the soap opera will continue. And maybe, hey, maybe the over under uh, on Saturday's show is how many times will Bob Baffert's name be mentioned? Programs. <laughs> <laughs> picograms. I'd set the three and a half over under on picogram mentions this weekend. Okay, so this is usually in the Preakness, it's a fun handicap because yeah. you have a number of horses you just saw run the Derby. You got a couple of new contenders. Although this year, if we only have two of the Derby horses rerunning, Medina Spirit, if he even goes, and Midnight Bourbon. Uh, and that means that there are a lot of new names here to give some consideration to. Are there any of the newcomers that you think um, you know, may spell trouble for some of the favorites in this field who, uh, you know, the casual betters may not recognize as, as true contenders. Yeah, Drew, I think the best one in here is one trained by uh, Chad Brown, who's one of the top young trainers out there and has been for several years. He won this race four years ago with cloud computing. He comes in here now with crowded trade, who is coming into this very much like cloud computing. He didn't run well his last time. Well, he ran decent his last time. out. I'll take that back in the Wood Memorial but he is uh, showing uh, that he moves forward at every race. This will be his fourth race. 
It was also the fourth race for cloud computing, so he seems to be at the right spot. Uh, he's probably not going to be what would necessarily be a bomb, but he would be a bit of an outside shot. I would guess uh, probably around uh, 8, 10 to 1 range or go off. And I, I think for the value play that he's the one right now to take a look at. Uh, I'm not even sure Medina Spirit will be the favorite when they draw the post positions. There's a better mm -hmm. chance maybe that uh, Concert Tour, his stable mate, will be the favorite. I don't think uh, Crowded Trade is going to be in the top two for sure in the odds. So, uh, you know, I, I like his chances and I like horses that stay near the front. Uh, you don't have a lot of horses coming off the pace, way off the pace, winning the Preakness. It uh, has happened only like one time in the last dozen years, and that was Exaggerator in 16. And he benefited more from a muddy track than anything else. I think he was running like eight most of the way. But uh, he'll have a charge. But you don't see that big charge in the Preakness. You see horses that are right at or very near the lead winning the Preakness. Well, Kenny, let me ask you this. I want to stick with kind of the discussion about the post position because on this show and everyone really across all platforms and especially with NBC, we spent a lot of time talking about the post positions in regard to the Kentucky Derby. But for our audience out there that's either new into horse betting or watching and realizing how to handicap, how does post position differentiate from the Kentucky Derby now for the Preakness? Uh, Sarah, the biggest difference is the, the lack of horses. You know, the Derby is nuts. It's got 19, and this year is 19. Usually they have 20 horses entered, 19 ran this year. So uh, you can really get in a jam and hard to get out of it. Uh, most people do not want the one and two post positions for the Derby. There's a chance you get pinched down along the rail and your race is over before it began. Uh, it's a little different in the Preakness. Uh, you know, you have like 10 horses, 11, 12 horses, more like a reasonable field. So I think that there's a, it's not quite as much, although you still have to be careful if you're down on the rail that you want to get away quickly and you don't want to get cut back because it's a short run into that first turn at the Preakness. So probably uh, most of the real contenders would like to avoid being in that one or two hole, probably, but I don't think it's going to make the difference, certainly, that the, the impact on the post position that the Derby traditionally does. Okay, this is fascinating. So the way that this is shaping up now, I'm very, very hopeful Medina Spirit runs. Um, yeah, I think he is. And I think he's going to. I mean, he's You think he's going to? to? Okay. All right. And they're going to get into so many legal actions, you know, lot. Lawyers might be another over under. You know, there'd be the information <laughs> that might be mentioned two or three times in the next few days. True. Yeah. yeah. Can I can I throw a concert tour out of my uh, my some of my um, exotics? No, no. Keep him in there. I, I think okay. he's I think he's legit. He had a bad race in Arkansas. Uh, well, not a bad race, but he finished third, and he was the favorite. His owner is Gary West, who also owned Maximum Security. You might remember the horse that was disqualified. A bit of irony, a bit of irony here, isn't it? Uh, yes. so, uh, but he's going to be in here with Concert Tour. And I think what uh, I, I think that this is a horse that was actually considered a better horse than Medina Spirit uh, by, you know, a month ago. Uh, Medina Spirit's basically the third stringer. Baffert's best horse life is goods injured on the sideline. This is supposed to be his second best horse. So I think Crowded Trade will be right there with Concert Tour. And the okay. real wild card in this whole thing could be. Midnight Bourbon, who did not run his race in the Derby. He was expected to get out mm -hmm. and be near the lead, uh, but he had trouble at the start. And, you know, sometimes it is where you start is how you finish. And, and uh, that will really be the case, I think, in the Preakness. Kenny, before we let you go, we touched on quite a few horses there that you like the winner. Come Preakness race day, who is it? I would rate right now, I would put uh, Crowded Trade is the pick that I'm going with, Concert Tour, and Medina Spirit. I mean, he's not a bad horse. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's not a great crop of three-year-olds. He's, he's still a really solid horse. I think that'll be one, two, three. But if Medina Spirit wins it, won't this make for an interesting Belmont? It'll, it'll oh, be like my. 
the days of our lives meet the doctors in general hospital. Why it'd be the, it'd be equine soap opera. That is exactly right. Kenny, thank you so much. We really appreciate the time today. Sarah, Drew, my pleasure. Thank you. This race is just going to be ridiculously fascinating for all the reasons Kenny just said, Drew. Oh, yeah. I usually wary of a crowded trade, but at the prices that we're looking at, like 15 to 1, that sounds pretty decent to me. Right. I got to check in on Medina Spirit throughout the week, but I have a feeling Medina Spirit will run as well. All right, let's bring in Von Dalzell, member of NBC Sports Edge and the Props King. Loves overs, loves props, and he's been hitting a ton of them as of late. So I know you love Shane Bieber tonight, Von, as do I with his strikeout prop. It's at nine and a half Ks versus the Cubs tonight. I'm all over that. So put that aside. What else has caught your eye in the baseball space that you like in the prop market? So I like Walker Bueller a lot tonight. Um, obviously, Shane Bieber is my favorite play. Hard not to love the guy. Uh, he's on a historic streak. But Walker Bueller is turning it around right now. Although the Dodgers are in a bit of a slump, no one can deny that. Uh, they do get a Mariners team that's not looking good as well. But Bueller specifically, this is the time to start buying into him the next month and month and a half. In May and June are his best strike, strike to walk ratios. May is his second best. We've seen in his last three starts now, he's at eight or more strikes against the Reds, Padres, and the Cubs. Three very good teams. And in the first four, three starts of the season, he had four strikeouts apiece in those three. So he's doubled what he's been doing the last three games compared to the first three. He's only faced three batters on the Seattle team. They have a combined zero, zero, zero batting average. So I like that a lot. NBC's model has them seven and a half. I like him to get eight here. Mariners, um, one of the top strikeout teams their last 15 days and also last in batting average in that span. I like this. I like this. Let's uh, let's pivot to the NBA. Uh, and I have a question for you regarding the Nets. I looked at this line. Nets five-point favorites. Can you ask them to lay five against the Bulls, who are kind of frisky lately, beating some good teams? Uh, I couldn't. Ultimately, I could not get involved. But is there a way to uh, attack this from the prop market if I want to be entertained? Uh, I definitely think so in this one. Now, I went on the uh, Monumental Sports Network the other day and said Chicago is cooked like a Thanksgiving turkey. And... Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Uh, they are back being a Bulls fan. It's uh, very surprising to see them winning these games. I count them out in this game, but I counted them out the last two games in the game with a victory. So um, two players specifically, one of the Bulls I will start with because uh, being a Bulls fan, I have a lot of faith in him, and he's the reason why they are being competitive right now, and that's Zach Levine. Sure. Now his prop total opened at 25.5. Still get it there on some books. 26.5 as well I think is okay here. Now, he missed three weeks because of COVID protocols. The Bulls slid terribly in those three weeks. And now that he's back, he's had more points in every single, every single start, 13, 25, and now 30 in his last performance. Him and Vucevic get a very plus matchup here against a Nets defense that's allowing 120 points per game in the last five and 50% from three in that span. Levine scored 25 on them already, went one of five from three, but he's going to be chucking tonight. So I like him there in this spot. And on the other side, Kevin Durant, easy money sniper. Talk about a guy that gets it done. Uh, 14 field goal attempts in his last game, and he scored 33 points. Come on. That's silly. This guy has had 24 field goal attempts in four straight before that. He scored 30 or more in four of his last five, six of his last 10. He is back. And if you haven't heard, 
James Harden might be coming back in their next outing. So if you're Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, what does that mean? Shoot, 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 because you're going to be losing those field goal attempts most likely. I think he gets another 20-plus field goal performance. Bulls 28th overall against small forwards. He's projected right around that 30-point mark by the NBC model. And uh, to be honest, Kevin Durant scoring 30 points is never a bad bet any night, in my opinion. Ryan, I love the look. To your point, Kevin Durant's hit this total and went over four out of his last five starts. So I'm with you there, Vaughn. Okay, I know we could find all of your prop plays on NBCSportsEdge.com where you're going to have more throughout the day. But give me, give me one more. Anything else you're looking at really quickly before we let you go? I want all the action for tonight towards the end of the season here. So I will be writing about this one on NBC as well. I haven't got to it yet. But uh, Drew kind of talked about this game already with the Warriors and the Suns. I know he's on the Warriors last night. So I have a guy on the Suns side. I don't think Drew should be particularly worried about him. His name, he goes by the name of Mikael Bridges, okay, over 13.5 points. NBC model has him going over this one smoothly. And uh, it's something he's done in six straight games, eight of the past ten. Golden State being on a back-to-back makes it a little bit difficult for them. Um, not too difficult, but I think that he's going to be able to hit this margin. And there's a couple interesting statistics here. So Golden State has allowed the last two teams they played to have six guys each time score nine or more points. Mikel Bridges can certainly score double digits here. And in the last five games in May for the Suns, only Mikel Bridges, Chris Paul, and Devin Booker have scored 10 or more points in all five games. He has consistently been the third or fourth option for this team Mm -hmm. against Golden State. He'll probably get a nice matchup with a couple of the backup guards at some points, not the primary defenders. So I like the chances of him getting 14 or more. In this point, you can back him as your last bet of the night um, and also take the Warriors with Drew. So uh, we'll go 2-0 on the nightcap to send you guys <laughs> off right for Wednesday's morning. I got to say, yeah, money, money Mikhail Bridges is kind of a mouthful. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not as smooth as, as money Miles Bridges, but I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm in this with you. I guess I have a thing for Bridges. I didn't know that. but uh. Yeah, you sure do. The edge projection to your point, 16.9 points for tonight. Okay, Vaughn, thank you so much. Good luck with all your plays, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. To now soccer. We like to cover everything here on Bet the Edge, and who better? Better to do that than Robbie Musto, of course, former English footballer and now commentator for NBC Sports. Robbie, we're so, so excited to have you. Me in particular because soccer fan, former player, this fires me up. And I have to say, I'm still trying to find my Premier League team. And I've kind of gone towards Chelsea over the last few seasons, as you can imagine why. Big win over over Man City in stoppage time. And you look at them now, it's a huge game against their rival, Arsenal. You could argue it's tough to keep the momentum going. Surely something you're familiar with from your playing days and now Mm. commentating. What is this situation Mm. like for the Blues? Can they keep things going or does it kind of seem like it's a letdown spot after such a big win? Um, I think there'll be some changes, Sarah. I know what you mean. And I think the job that he's done there has been phenomenal. Um, and normally a game against Arsenal is a massive, massive game, a, a London derby, of course. I just think with what they've got coming up, an FA Cup final on the weekend after, I believe, against Leicester City. We know about the Champions League final, which is going to be an incredible match against Man City. Um, I, I just, I, I don't think the momentum, I don't think they need it so much. I don't think they they kind of, I think there's so much confidence now in the manager, in their system, the way that they play, the results that they've got. 
against Man City and other sides as well, of course, is really important. I don't know whether it's a team that needs to feel like it's on top of its game. Again, they're so grooved. They're so confident in each other and there's so much competition for places. I think they beat Arsenal. I think wow. they will make a few changes. So I think that will continue because of Arsenal's struggles we've seen and, and it's been a very difficult season for them. So I think Chelsea still get the job done. I just, I think you're going to see changes. You know, every player... And it's not easy to figure out the first 11 for Chelsea, but they can't play every single game. And this, this might be one with the FA Cup final coming up, which of course is like, you know, growing up in England, it's such a big game. And I was mm -hmm. lucky enough to play in an FA Cup final. We lost to, of all teams, Chelsea 2-0 on that day. <laughs> but still, still a, uh, a huge game. So I think Chelsea's team might reflect um, some some changes. I'll just throw out Chelsea, the favorite, minus 143 for those listening and trying to get action. The draw, plus 265, and then Arsenal to win, plus 400, Drew. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I had the same feeling as you teed that up, that this was a decent letdown spot. But, uh, you know, Robbie's making a very strong point. I want you, And you brought up uh, the Champions League final. I have a specific question about that. Because the mm. you know, Champions League final is so fun. Because it's usually a fun handicap because you're clashing styles, you know, teams mm. from, you know, different, uh, you know, different leagues and, and different styles and you're trying to figure out how it will play out in a one game winner take all scenario yeah. is a ton of fun. Yeah. That's yeah. not the case this year. We have loads and loads and loads of data to pour over as we want to match up Man City and Chelsea. The last match yeah. that just happened was wildly close the margins were yeah. very very narrow there it took us you know yeah. very, you know late was a stoppage time goal was the decider there um how do you look ahead to this champions league final and uh and do you feel like it is as close as i'm making it out or is man city the clear favorite well i i think it is going to be very close no question it's going to be very close because of the way that chelsea have played under thomas tuchel defensively so much better than they were it's going to be close what I would say, Drew, is, and this has gotten a little bit uh, forgotten, the FA Cup semi-final where Chelsea beat Man City and this recent Premier League match, you've got to remember that's a different Man City. There was, I think, seven or eight changes for the FA Cup. I remember doing the game, we podcast about it afterwards. City were different. The other, the others were playing more than the first 11, <laughs> which gave Chelsea the others, yeah. And... And it happened again in the, in the recent Premier League match. So make no mistake about it. I tell you, for me, forget all that. Forget those two games. And my good friend Robbie Earl says, well, actually, I don't know whether they will forget that, whether there will be a little bit of extra confidence in Chelsea knowing that they've beat Man City. My point of view was, OK, I think City w didn't play their strongest side. The stronger team obviously will be in the Champions League final. And I think they'll be of the attitude of, OK, yeah, you've beat us a couple of times. This is us. This is our main guys. You know, you, let's see how you can deal when De Bruyne starts and Mahrez starts and Gundogan starts and Phil Foden starts. They didn't in the Premier League match. So um, trying to get rid of all that, it's going to be a fantastic matchup of two different styles, possession and, and expansion, if you like, against... Uh, pragmatism, organization, three slash five at the back, very quick players, Polisic, maybe Havertz, Werner, all these front players that can do great work, Mason Mount. 
an, an amazing contrast of styles. And to be fair to Pep Guardiola throughout his career, he's had to face this because his teams have always been expansive and total football and tick attacker and all this kind of stuff. And teams um, will always will always be forced to play on the counter-attack and be defensive. So it's I know we've seen these teams before. There is a ton of history. They know each other very, very well, but I still think it makes for a brilliant game of football on the 26th or 29th of May. Can't yeah, wait. coming up 29th, yep. I believe. It's going to be 29th, yeah. Well, this year's uh, EPLs, yeah, we're, we're coming down to the wire. There's not a lot of changing looking at the standings right now between now and the end of the season. So I'm looking a little bit ahead to 2021, 2022. And I can feel mm-hmm. that there's sort of a sea change going on in terms mm-hmm. of power here. The fact that Liverpool has fallen out of uh, you know Champions League contention with their slide in the standings here that looks like mm. a problem. Uh, you know if they get if they get slapped <clears throat> with a heavy fine from the Super League, I'm not sure they have enough money to reload on the fly. Tottenham, I can mm. put in that same conversation. Arsenal, I can put in that same conversation. Mm. Um, you know, mm. are we? Is there a potential for a team like Leicester who's going to get you know a big influx of money here to to make some noise over the next couple seasons? Look at them as sort of a long shot in the uh, 33 to one range. Uh, I think the long shot um, is is that they are a good long shot. I, I think it's still, given what they're doing now and they've fallen away a little bit and there's concerns again whether these young players, they, they need to learn how to, to finish season strongly and to handle the pressure. The manager talked about it with them. So they, they in terms of investment, they won't spend a lot of money. I tell you what, though, it, it is fun to look forward and it's, it's difficult because there's a big market coming up and, all sorts of stuff's going to happen. You know, Man United have just re-signed Edison Cavani, which then will have following following um, impacts on who they might bring in. I thought they might go for Harry Kane with Cavani signing. Maybe not him, maybe Jadon Sancho. But United, Manchester United, I mean, you'd have to think that they will feel that this upcoming season, there's a title challenge in it for them. And just... You know, with all this European Super League and the, and the, the Glazers being under pressure from the fans, etc., the football club, I just got a feeling they might actually spend a bit of money to try and appease the fans. Jaden Sancho is a guy they wanted for Dortmund for a long period of time. There's talk right now that that could be back on again. So you might have Jaden Sancho. Edison Cavani might be a regular player. They'll feel they've got a chance to win it. Chelsea absolutely will be up there challenging. Why wouldn't they? I think there was a stat I saw a few days ago that since Thomas Tuchel's been manager of Chelsea, I think it's 16 Premier League games, they're second. In those 16, if there's a league table there now, they're second, I think, three points behind Man City. So it just shows you what impact he's made and, and what points they've accrued under this manager. They'll maybe try and bring in new players in the summer as well to go with a, a tremendous young squad. They will be challenging. Man City, of course, will be challenging. It's just the Spurs and Arsenal, as you mentioned, Drew, they are in the middle of rebuilds and transitional periods and it's kind of a cliche but it's absolutely happening but i think <laughs> liverpool and finally i'm going i'm talking about every team in the league but liverpool and i know you're a little bit yes they've had a dif- difficult disappointing season but virgil van dyke uh joe gomez they might bring in a couple of players they still got really good players there so i wouldn't i wouldn't write out liverpool's possibility of bouncing back like man city did they had an off season last year man city and bounced back to win the premier league title liverpool just i spoke one of my best friends here in the us is a he's a huge liverpool fan and he said to me you know what robbie let's see if jürgen klopp because this is kind of similar and sorry for going on a little bit here but jürgen klopp with Borussia dortmund it's very similar 
very similar situation where it kind of went a little bit stale uh, and then the, 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 the form dropped off, the pressure came and he, and he left the football club. I just think that he might, mm. Liverpool, that they might regroup and find a way to bounce back. One more go from Liverpool to have a title challenge next year. You're not sure about that? Well, yeah, it's a good point. No, it's a good point. At plus 550, their team, as we know, their roster could really bounce back with one or two additions, as you mentioned. So I wouldn't be surprised. Really quickly, Robbie, before we let you go, we made sure to ask you this because we're looking to the Euros already. I know it sounds crazy, but they are starting soon because (laughs) after the postponement last year with COVID. Your team, England's the favorite at five to one. I know you're going to be biased, but tell me quickly (laughs) who you think could realistically win, win the Euros. Well, listen, the, the, the Premier League season has been so long and so concentrated. I haven't thought too much about it. But yeah. what I would say is France have to be close by. And also, you know, the emergence of Bruno Fernandes, Bernardo Silva, Portugal. Portugal, I would think, have got tremendous players with a lot of attacking flair. Again, when you look around our Premier League and what they're doing. So I think the biggest, the biggest um, potential winners would be France and Portugal. But England, yeah, we got a lot of good players playing well right now. Kane's getting the goals. Phil Foden's come from nowhere. I could go on and on and on. So England all the way, but I think France and Portugal will be the, the main rivals. I don't want to strike fear into you because I, I don't want to throw cold water on England. But uh, if they win Group D, you know who they'll face. They'll face have- second, second place in the group of death with France and Portugal. Yep. Oh, oh wow. You got odds for the Euros? We sure do. Yeah. You got England five to one, France five to one, and to your point, Portugal eight to one plus eight hundred. Uh, okay. okay. We'll see. We love, I love it. it. I, I love it as well. World Cups and European Championships. Yes. You know, international teams. You know, no wages, no salaries, all this stuff. It's just pure football from players that want to play for their country. I cannot wait. I love it. Love it. Love it. Robbie, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your day and the remainder of the Premier League season. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Drew, let's wrap up the show with Edge of the Day. A lot of lines out there, crazy line movement, but there has to be one game that you think you could find some value in tonight. Please give me a winner here, Drew. I'm going to hold my breath and take the Knicks and the points against the Lakers. A lot of buzz about LeBron's making a return tonight for the Knicks. I'll see it when I'll believe it when I see it that number one, he is a full go and that number two, he gets his normal rotation in minutes and that number three, he is effective as people are expecting him to be after this lengthy layoff and going up against the strong defensive uh you know, performance of the New York Knicks under coach Tom Thibodeau. Um, amazing. These two teams have the same record, 38 and 30. Uh, and, but, but really this is just a value play from a number standpoint. Uh, I just, I can't make five point separation between these two teams in their current state. Now in a couple of weeks, you know, during the playoffs, if they matched up in the finals, would five be a fair spread in LA? Absolutely. But right now, considering, uh, you know, how these teams are rostered, some of the, some of the, um, uh, limitations in terms of shot creation for the Lakers. I think this uh, plays well into the hands of the Knicks, and I think the Knicks get a bounce back after a couple of rough outings. Yeah, you don't need the Knicks to win and go for the series sweep just to cover the five. All right, I'm going to take us to baseball and finish out the show here. I'm looking at the run line for the Tampa Bay Rays. The Yankees are in town there in Florida, and I looked at the starting pitching matchup, and, and Jordan Montgomery 
He's been good across the season, a little better lately. I will say, though, when he saw the Rays this season, he's faced them twice, 6.55 ERA. Rays can hit a lefty 4-1 and one in their last five games against a left-handed starter. Luis Patino, young pitcher, getting the start for the Rays. First time facing the Yankees, but this guy does not need to, not need to go deep into games, just get a few Ks and get a really good bullpen in the game. I like them on the run line. The Rays have won 18 of the past 23 meetings in this crazy series against the Yankees. I know that the Yankees are heating up. That's why I'm hesitant to take the Rays on the run line, but they can keep this close. And I got a little nugget from points bet here. Betters, along with me, liking the plus one and a half for the Rays for tonight, just because uh, the Yankees coming off two wins. Of course, they beat the Nats by exactly one run, so it's been a good play. That's where I'm looking tonight, Drew. I'm, I'm trying to get us a win. I don't know. I, I think I like it. I like the AL East matchups. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Luis Patino, up and comer. This is a good, good, yes. good spot for him. Good, good play. Okay, I will say tomorrow is an awesome show as well. Steve Kornacki, who picked Medina Spirit to win with us uh, last week, previewed the Derby. He's now going to talk to us all about the Preakness. He will be a part of NBC's broadcast on Saturday, along with Kenny Rice, who we had today. And coverage for that begins at 2.30. We gave you a lot of actionable items tonight. Good luck with that. Don't forget to head on to NBCSportsEdge.com. You'll have all the information you'll need to know after you're done listening to us to continue helping you with your wagers. And again, do not forget to subscribe and rate the podcast. Drew, good luck with your plays. See you tomorrow.